0: Hi everyone, it's great to have you with me for this episode of the Sports Stories podcast. The podcast where we speak to a range of inspiring individuals, some high profile and others less so, but all of whom have an amazing story to tell with the hope of inspiring you to become the best version of yourself, either in sports, out of sport, or through the vehicle and metaphor of sport. Over the past couple of episodes, we've had an insight into the world of Kevin Sinfield and Kath Bishop, both of whom, have had an incredible impact through their involvement in sport and sharing their stories in a very humble and authentic way. Well, today in episode 36, I'm so looking forward to speaking with Steve McCormack, currently Head of Welfare for Rugby League Cares, but also a very humble individual who has a huge amount of experience as a player, a club coach, and an international head coach. I'm so looking forward to speaking with Steve and hearing his insights from his humble beginnings as a player in Wigan right the way through to the impact and legacy he is leaving on the game of rugby league. If authentic leadership is one of your interests, then don't go away. You may also wish to link back Steve's insights to those of Kevin and Cass in previous episodes when considering what success means to you, what is performance, and what are the attributes you see as being non-negotiable in your life. So go grab a pen and a cuppa so you can take some notes if that's your thing. Or if you listen when out on a run, pop in your headphones and get on the go. So let's crack on with the show, but don't forget, do have a look at the show notes as I will be leaving some of my reflections, posing a few questions and also the contact links. It just leaves me now to wish a very warm welcome to the current head of welfare at Rugby League Cares, doing such a fantastic job in the sport and also former head coach of Scotland and many other clubs, Mr. Steve McCormack. Steve, thanks for joining me on the Sports Stories podcast. I'm really excited about talking to you because um, you know for me looking in and observing your career you've done loads of great things you know and um from working at clubland into international work and now in, in a real support function and i'm really keen to to hear a little bit more about that um so yeah, thank you dave thanks for having
1: thanks for having us uh, looking forward it's nice to see you uh, you
0: know we go
1: back a long way so um you know thanks for having us
0: no it's an absolute pleasure steve Kick us off by just saying a little bit about you know your, your introduction to, to sport how did you get into sport and, and in particular rugby league
1: uh, i think being being born in wigan you know being a wigan <laughs> lad um i wouldn't say i had no choice but it, it's just renowned for certainly rugby league um you know we've had a good football team as well which i'm very passionate about but uh, from a very young age my dad uh, my dad played for wigan and oldham you know uh, 1959 and you know his career went uh, went on and, and he had a good, a good career uh, and, and probably quite fortunate of growing up, you know, watching the great Wigan sides. There was there was unbelievable, and you know, I used to go watching the Wigan Athletic um, team in uh, on a Saturday, and then you know go watching the, the rugby on a, on a Sunday, and it, and it was fantastic. And it was just a way of life, you know. If you if you was born in Wigan, you you, you did that, and you know then then I started playing. I was a footballer uh, for right. a very young age, and started playing it uh, only rugby league when I was in secondary school. But it was always a sporty sporty uh, childhood,
0: and. One that was was really enjoyable. How did you go between the choice between rugby league and football? Then, how did that happen?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I, I was. I, I always loved football. You know, always <laughs> really loved football. Actually, um, playing it, but watching rugby league. And you know, the schools that that I went to um, was was generally football schools. Right, you know, yeah. It Was uh, prior, primary schools football didn't do any rugby league. Uh, and it, it was a middle school then as well. Seems like a long time ago that day. But, <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, and, and and that, we just started playing rugby league. Um, and, you know, I remember my first game in secondary school, I'd have been probably 12, 13. Yeah. Um, and then once I played it, I I, I I loved it. And, you know, I then went to the Deanery High School, which was a really renowned rugby league school in Wigan with a, a real history of, of producing some good players and some good teams. And I probably never looked back. I didn't play football after that. You know, it was, it was all right. rugby league and, um, you know, a good choice for me. You know, it's it's led me on a on a fantastic path.
0: Yeah. And Steve, you mentioned about your dad and him coming through as a sort of a playing career as well. What what kind of influence or how was that being brought up in a family where you know your, your dad also played the game?
1: Yeah, I, I was really lucky that um, my childhood was fantastic. You know, unfortunately, I lost my mum at a very young age. Um, I lost my mum. At uh, when I was four, so there was only me and my dad. Um, yeah. So my dad, um, you know, he wasn't only a really good dad; um, he, he was a you know my, my best mate as well. So yeah. we did everything together, um, you know. So so everything I did, he was very supportive, as as most parents are, you know, taking me to to, to training and to games, and you know, he, he used to take me watching football, even though he didn't, he didn't like football, you know, <laughs> he, he just liked rugby. And I think his influence and um, you know, just just about the sport, and you know, it, it didn't really force me into to playing. It, it was just just something I fell into to naturally, and um, yeah, a real good childhood. And um, you know, my dad was was you know, and and will always be the biggest influence I've ever had. And right. I was really fortunate to have that that relationship with him.
0: And so you kind of carried on through through uh, secondary school, I guess, playing rugby league, playing bits of other sports. Was it, or was it just rugby league all along?
1: Probably just rugby league. Then once I talked, once I talked to it. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, ended up playing my local community club as well, Saint Jude's, um, yeah. which is you know probably two hundred yards away from, from from my house at the moment, and you know a, a, a brilliant club, and I've got a lot to thank Saint Jude's for as well. And you know I, I did okay as a, a schoolboy and um, represented England at, at under 16s level. And some some great coaches, and another big influence on me was. Uh, a teacher called Dennis McHugh, and I, st- I still speak to Dennis now. And I look back at that time as a as a sixteen year old, fifteen year old, and wow, what an influence he had! And um, yeah, I was looking off, and I was at Wigan for a couple of years, uh, which was the academy then. It was called the the, uh, the DDA,
0: which was the District Development Association. Right. Where Dennis coached coached in that as well. Steve, what was the influence of Dennis? How, how did he impact on you? If he was so influential to you.
1: I just look I just look back Dave and, and and Dennis was very a disciplinarian. Right. So it was just the actual values and the standards that, that Dennis had. And and it might be as simple as saying thank you and, and saying please to people, um, always making sure that you tied it up after you, um, always make sure that your boots were clean, your laces were clean. Um we, we played France in um uh, in Wakefield as uh, under 16s and, and we've been in camp all week, and there were some great players in that side, Mick Cassidy and and and, and a few others. And De- Dennis was just um, just somebody who who never never let up with regards to standards. Um, a good bloke with it as well, very technically good. But I just think back, and you know, you, you had to be on time, you had to be well dressed, you had to be polite. Um, you know, and, and if you if you get those kind of values installed in in any business or, or sport or any team, it's a good starting point. And obviously, you know, you put some good players in there with, good, with some good technical ability, Yeah. and you've got a good mix. But it was a massive influence on uh, yeah. on me, Dennis.
0: And it sounds those sort of values, isn't it, as well, which are you know you're picking up and getting in, embedded at a, a younger age, you know. And how do they come through, I guess, into your into your later in your career? You know what? Yeah, what definitely.
1: Not, not, yeah, not not only in my, in my career, probably in my, in my family life as well. Oh. You know. You want your your kids to, to be good people as well don't you and I've got three uh, fantastic kids who I are, are love to bits and a and, and a great wife and and um, you know I look at those values and you know certainly not perfect but you, you, you want your your kids to have all that and you know your, your teams that that you coach and you're involved in um, I, I look back in the teams uh, even recently at Wigan and um, the best the best teams and the best performing teams have been the teams that have had good values and a good culture and um, you know i've been involved with some teams who have had some fantastic players and um, technically gifted um, but just not quite had that balance and it's, uh, it's probably a good life lesson for me that
0: yeah. but when you when you go forward into those sort of environments where you're talking about sort of teams that are performing at their best with great cultures and values what what are those values? What is the culture, and, and how do you create that?
1: Um, I think I think recruitment's a big a, a big point, um, right. and and it starts with the staff. I think you know it's good to have staff who, who complement each other. Um, it's good to have good people, driven people. Um, right. It's very easy to say you want winners in 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 the team, and you do, um, but you want people to be competitive, and you want people to be good good people you know we, we all make mistakes and myself included in that but i think when you get a blend of of, of, of good staff your recruitment's good you know you speak to the the, the players you know what's coming to the club um and, and you sell that you know you, you make sure the environment that you're working in it is a good fun environment right challenging um but i think most important you want you want players and people who are humble hard working and yeah, respectful of, um, of of people around them, really, and you know I look back and some of the best teams I've I've been involved in have, have had you know great you know great great culture and a lot of those attributes we just mentioned.
0: Yeah, if you were to summarise that then you know because I, I, it's something I talk about a lot and you know we've talked about and many people do is that whole thing about culture. And, and how do we get to that place? So you've, you've mentioned their recruitment being something key. Are there any other ingredients that you would say that you really drive hard on to ensure that you either maintain that and build that within? Because, you know, I, I want to come back to all of the different teams that you've actually worked in. And I'm wondering, you know, w- which would you say is the team that you maybe have had the best culture and why?
1: I think there's been different challenges for, from, from a, lot, a lot of different teams. Um, you know, I look at probably my more recent one when I was involved with the, uh, with Wigan with yeah. Sean Wayne. Um, unbelievable times with with Sean, uh, and and one thing that sh- that Sean, uh, and it, and it took a number of years to do that. Um, yeah. Was was just make sure that the environment was was always challenging. There was there was no let up at Wigan with regards to um, yeah. the players working hard. The players understanding the jobs being really organised, uh, you know. And that that's that's the big thing. The, the staff, the staff drove that. Sean yeah. drove that as a as as a head coach, as a, as a lead person. But yeah. you know, Sean would also expect uh, you know the kit man and yeah. and everybody else. You know, the the the, the chef at the club um, to to be exactly the same as well. So there was no perceived weak links or um, or, or people that didn't buy into to, to Sean's culture. Um, yeah. You know, both on and off the field, it was just a, a really challenging but a fantastic place to work and yeah. the results, you know, really sport, sport for themselves.
0: And there, there's a great thing there for me as, you, as you're painting the picture. It's not about what people were just saying, but they absolutely had to role model it themselves and live it, you know, and demonstrate what the, uh, the kind of the culture is. Is that fair? No. Yeah,
1: 100%. And I think the players drive that as well. You know, yeah. the players, it's, it's all right. You know, you, you see a lot of teams have... You know, presentations and put values up on on the I board will. and <laughs> posters up around the gym and stuff like that. But you have to live by these every day, uh, not only in the training ground, but you know when you go into to Tesco doing your shopping. You know, yeah. and, and, and you, you know that the, 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 the you're paying for your shopping. It's just a thank you. Or yeah. you know, we, we always used to really hone in on our scholarship players at Wigan. Were you know if it was a cleaner at school, you know you say good morning to them, You know yeah. you respect them and. It was relentless that we, we kept on saying that message. And um, ultimately, it ended up the, the, the players driving that culture. And, you know, I still speak to players now who've come through that scholarship system at Wigan and some of the other clubs that, that I've worked at. And they always remember that, you know, and the parents remember it. And um, it's, it's it's a good way to, yeah.
0: to live your life, I think. And, St- Steve, is that something that people develop and did you train that into people so did you do you believe that there was a number of academy players that came in that maybe weren't living that way and that standard and that they developed it or did you do you have to have that within you when you first come in to the environment? Uh, I think
1: it's a bit of both definitely a bit of both that Dave I think yeah. uh, you know we've all we've all got some real good 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 things inside us as well yeah. you know from an academy point of view and a scholarship point of view we've had we've had some players what's come through systems and and even first team you know playing international for scotland do yeah have had some tough upbringing you know you know seeing seeing a lot of things within the the, the young lives etc uh, but they've all they've all got good attributes and um there's a bit of both it comes naturally to a lot of people um right. but also a lot of um a lot of lads uh, you know had to work at it and you know that that's where you know the the, the consistent message and the players living it every every day, and the coaching staff being role models, hopefully, yeah, um, enable them to, to you know put them on the right
0: path. Yeah, well, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be quite personal here to you, in, in a sense of you know you come across for me as being such a humble bloke. You've been in some really big clubs. You've left a real um, imprint on the world of rugby league. You've worked in the international arena, you know, and I, I, and yet very humble and kind of quite um, understated, actually. You know, and I'm, and I'm really curious about, you know, people that end up in really successful positions can be good blokes, you know, and yet there's a tension, isn't there, often out in the world there that you to be successful, you need to be quite nasty, quite self-centred, quite selfish and, and very hard. And yet, you know, you've actually, for me, challenged that in terms of you can be successful in different environments, but actually be a really good bloke. What, what, what's your thoughts on that dilemma? <laughs> oh, no,
1: I appreciate that, Dave. Um... I don't. I don't. I just. I just be myself. You know, there's, right. there's times where I think coaching at at high level, international level, you you do have to be tough. You have yeah. to make tough decisions. And, and there's times where you know players don't like you. You know that that's yeah. just the the nature of the job. But I just think if you're honest and you're consistent in your message, and uh, you know at times I've not always done that. You know, and I've looked back and and made, you know made some mistakes and made sure I've never made the same mistake twice. I'll, I'll try and not make the same, the same mistake twice, but. I always look at the best coaches I've had and the best role models I've had um, and how they treated me. And, you know, I, I, I would want my own children to be to be treated and my own family members to be treated. So, you know, I try and do that. And um, I, I'm just very lucky, Dave, that, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a lad from a working estate in Wigan. And, um, you know, the, the game has taken me to places, unbelievable places, you know, World Cups and European Championships and, you know, every corner of the world. And um, I've been really lucky um, to, to, to be able to do that. And, you know, it's something that I never, ever take for granted.
0: But Steve, when you say lucky, you know, some people might say, well, you know, you make your own luck. What, what, what? How have you become lucky then, do you think? What is it that you've brought to your life and your career and your environment that's made you lucky? Because, again, that might be really helpful to some guys listening in is they want to be as lucky as you. It's a tough question, isn't
1: I, it? Um, <laughs> I think. I think it's just making sure that um, net- networking's been, been a, a good part, it's something that I wasn't really good at early on in my career. And yeah. um, yeah. you know, it's just being around good people and, and yeah. you know, probably getting out of my comfort zone quite a bit. Yeah, and I got out of my comfort zone uh, at an early age. You know, I was really inquisitive, you know, I read a lot. Right. Um, spoke to a lot a lot of people, you know, what just watched a lot of games, you know, constantly, constantly watching a lot of games. Right. Um, uh, you know, and you know, t- taking, taking myself away from from my family a lot, really, in, in, in the early stage of my career. I remember yeah. getting an opportunity to go to Whitehaven, which you know was was a few hours away from my family and spending a lot of time away from there. And um, that was tough, you know. I always remember um what a what an unbelievable club that was or yeah. is, Whitehaven and in the yeah. area unbelievable brilliant times but i look back and never really saw my daughter grow up yeah. so even though I was quite lucky to be given that opportunity yeah and um, there's times where i think you have to take yourself out of your comfort zone and yeah. and back yourself and, yeah. and, and luckily I, I did that and it worked out for me yeah um you know and then it's just a matter of of uh, 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 just living your your values every day and just working hard you know i've yeah. i've, 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 I've to think i've always you know worked hard
0: those are the words that come to my mind. There was something about working hard, but it's not always just working hard. It's also working smart, isn't it? You've got to be able to work hard in the right places. Um, you know, and I'm also hearing a little bit about, you know, taking risks and that stepping over the line to, you know, push yourself into an uncomfortable places helps you grow and develop. And I can really see that in the early stages that probably paid back massive dividends in terms of experiences and opportunities.
1: Yeah, massive, but- I think there's a fine balance as well, Dave. You know, I look, I look back, you know, and, and I'm probably seeing it now in, in, in my current job as, uh, as head of welfare that it's a fine balance because it, it became an obsession or became an obsession. Okay. So it was just about winning, um, preparing the team, winning. You know, when you won, you didn't enjoy the win because you're thinking about next week. If, if you got beat, it, it was a horrible place, you know, so... I think sport uh, and and being certainly being a head coach is it, it can be a lonely place as well at times. So, it's having that fine balance between being driven, um, looking after yourself, and I probably don't you know practice what 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 I preach you know or or I didn't do previously. So it's it's um it's getting that fine balance I think. Yeah.
0: And what what would you say your learnings were from that environment? And then, you know, given the the transition, as you say, into the job that you're now doing in terms of um, from a a, a rugby league cares point of view and looking after the welfare of people, you know, what what would be the learning that you took away in terms of getting a better balance?
1: I think um, one one thing that that really stands out for me is is probably delegation. Right. Um, You know, I, I just... And that, that might be through my childhood and, 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 and my dad, and, and we just got on with it. My dad and, and I just got on with stuff, you know, and didn't let anything get in our way. Um, you know, very resilient. Um, and, and throughout my coaching, certainly in my early days, uh, I, I just wanted to do everything myself. Um, didn't delegate. I had some good assistants, but didn't give them enough. Um, so, so, you know, I, I think looking at the best teams that I've, I've been involved in with, and, and the best results I've had is, is when I've delegated more and, and yeah. trusted my staff more, yeah. you know, and just sat back and um, enable them to, to, to do stuff and, and uh, just analyse. And I think delegation is, 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 has been a, a massive part. It's obviously still keeping that element of, of control and, and, and organisation, but um, just just trusting people around me and speaking, speaking to people more. Right. you
0: know, and that that's even more apparent with, uh, with with my job now. Steve, when you 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 use that word delegation though, it also it, it it makes me smile because I guess that's something that we we're all kind of playing with, you know, not just in the sport world but also you know as as a coach, but also the the world of business and teaching and and even a, you know running a family or having kids around us, you know, and the importance of what you do yourself and what you pass on. And and I'm curious as to you know what was it that made you start realising that you needed to maybe delegate a little bit more was there a, a, a time or an opportunity
1: yeah were very clear time as well I, I always remember there was a sports psychologist that came and watched me for a, a couple of weeks at Whitehaven, and um, uh, and just just watch the sessions uh, watch what I did throughout the week um, and I went seeing him he lived in Lancaster and, and I went I went seeing him it's a few years ago now yeah. and he it just gave me some coping strategies but basically said if, if you don't start delegating um you know and and using your support staff more um and, and you know speaking to your family more you know doing something away from the game because it it, it it wasn't probably still is an obsession you know with, with, with me but go and play some music go and what you know for, for me it's going watching Wigan Athletic that that's something that yeah, it's the only <laughs> thing that I that, that I do which is not involved with with rugby or, or it was and it was a very clear message for me because i i was feeling a little bit um you know just tired and you know it was, it was just the, you know the, the the traveling um the sessions um you know and we were getting some real good success but it was having an effect on me and, and probably my family as well which i didn't know and, and to hear it from somebody else who, who it right. was totally independent and I, I didn't really know um left it left a mark on me that and yeah. It's something I've always uh, I've always looked back at.
0: And play for me there that, that idea that sometimes having uh, having that external lens, you know, somebody who's a bit outside of your world as a kind of a sounding board or a conscience is actually a really valuable asset to have, you know, because without that conversation, that might not have come to light, you know, and then you might have burnt out or whatever. You know, so I'm just also playing there. You know, it sounds like a, a really strong relationship or a system that you'd built up to really help you become the best version of you, but you had to listen to it, didn't you? You had to listen to the advice that came your way.
1: And I think that's the toughest thing, Dave, that, you know, listening, listening to somebody, right? speaking to somebody who, who you don't know. And, you know, we're, we're very, um, can be very insular as, as people and very protective of, of, of ourselves and, and, and everything else around us. And I see that more now in, in my role now, you know, you right. look at, um, you know, people who, 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 pick a phone up and speak to us or 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 I meet who who are, we, we know about each other through our careers but um it's 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 very easy to 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 speak to somebody sometimes who who is uh you know totally impartial and and um you know confidential po- points of view and you know it's just somebody to listen to and and, and that's what I, I did and and um you know it certainly made an impact on me during my time uh, time at Whitehead.
0: What, and why can you recall back then? And I know it's a while ago because you know you've given us a sense of your journey. But you know, yeah. what was it in you that reached out for that support and externality?
1: You know, it wasn't me what reached out, Dave. It was right. somebody. Um, somebody suggested it. Right. Um, it was a businessman in Whitehaven who who had his own business um, yeah. at uh, doing some contracting work at Sellerfield. Yeah. A massive fan, massive fan of Whitehaven. Was at every training session, every game. Yeah. Um. You know, look, lovely, look, lovely bloke. And uh, he suggested it, and as as we all do, I just fired it off, and you no, know, I, I I don't need it, I don't need it. And um, he just carried on suggesting it and said, you know, I've got somebody who, who might um, you know, who, who might deal with it. Now whether whether the the you know the 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 person saw something in me, you know, whether that was you know stress or my body language or. Um, just had a feeling that, you know, it, it might help or, or it was just a, a bit of potluck. But he, he suggested it and I thought, well, you know, let, let's have a crack at it. You know, let's yeah. have a see what, you know, if it does help. and
0: yeah. What have I to lose, nearly?
1: <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I did. You know, it was just one of them, again, taking myself out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And, um,
0: you know, I did it and, you know, it was, a, it, it
1: was definitely a good exercise to do. Yeah.
0: So, Steve, as you, as you moved on through your career then, so that was kind of in, a, in a, your earlier days, what, what are some of the key principles or um, components that you've taken with you and you've learned along the way that have really helped you to become successful in managing yourself? And, and, and I use the word successful in a sense of actually um, both your physical and mental well-being, not just in terms of results. What are some of the greatest learnings you've taken with you?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think resilience is a ma- is a massive part of... Life and coaching, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I look back and I've, I've had some tough times, tough yeah. times, you know, even from a, a very young age. You know, I look, I look at my time at Salford and I was the youngest ever super league coach at 28, yeah, um, too early for me. You know, I look back, but um, you know, I, I, I don't regret taking it, you know, but I look I look at, at what happened then. And, Steve, you know, why, why were
0: you too young?
1: Do you think I wasn't ready? Yeah, well, no. I, I, I was. I, I was probably a really good assistant or, or a good assistant, um, yeah. but I think I think being a head coach of Super League, there's so many more things that, rather than being on the field, you know, you've got, you know, the contracts, the media. Um, it's so much different being the assist, uh, a head coach than the assistant coach. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was I was very I was very young, um, not experienced. Probably that pressure. Maybe it would have been good for me to go and do a. Head coaching role in the championship first, and experienced that day in day out of, yeah. of being the main man, being the yeah. boss. Yeah. And um, but but that that period in time at Salford, you know, it didn't seem at the time. Um. <laughs> but that that really stood me in good stead. You know, that resilience and that um that pressure that you know that pressure cookie under week in week out with, with everything. Um. I look back and that it was a tough time, but it, it's the best thing that that ever happened to me with regards to um probably learning. Uh, and being able to cope with whatever was chucked at me, to, yeah. um, you know, the
0: future after that. Yeah. When you say resilience, what, what do you mean by that? Because I know it's a, a term that we can use quite broadly. Um, and I'm just thinking, you know, what, what, what are the specifics of that that you've really been noticing that have really helped you? Because you've said that experience at Salford stood you at the test of time. So what what is it that you really picked up? You know, was it was it how, how to manage yourself under pressure, how to self-care? What, what, what do you think it was, that really helped.
1: I think it was certainly managing under pressure. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you, you get, you know, I remember getting beat. Yeah. Uh, you know, and tough times and, you know, not going out the house. I'd I, I come home and, you know, you'd get beat and, you know, me, my wife who's brilliant, we're waiting for us getting home and I probably wouldn't want to speak to her. I'd go and do the video straight away. I'd, I'd go and do the analysis. Um, you know, won't wouldn't tuck my kids up in bed, you know, yeah. li- little things like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Because it was, I was so engrossed in it, and and that probably never went away, hundred percent from me, and, and probably never will. It you know, from a coaching point of view, but I just look, I just started do doing things like that. So putting a couple of hours aside, so you know we could spend some time with with my family. Um, yeah. You know, go and watching my my eldest lad now, who's uh, you know he's, he's in his twenties now, but go and watch him play football. Yeah. You know, and his dad, his dad being on the sideline and encouraging him. Were you know at my initial stage of being at Salford. Yeah. I'd miss that because I'd be soaking in the house, you know, because we got beat on a Friday night. Yeah. So it, it is it is just making uh really being aware of, of, of people around you and yeah and um, just val- valuing all that as well. And um, valuable lessons learned, I think, in the early days, Dave, because I, yeah. I I didn't do that, you know. Yeah. I just um and you know, and that relates to the self-care, you know, it yeah. was just it was just, you know, relentless, you know, just you know, training, playing, review training playing review um, and and there was nothing else in my life then and it it just totally engrossed me and yeah you know it it always did do but you know certainly um after that period at Salford um,
0: probably learned to live with it a lot more and and was a lot better with it and there's a lovely message in there for me though Steve in there about again you you use that word kind of getting a getting that balance and whether nowadays people can be more balanced in their approach but yet still be successful because i i have that view very much though so, you know that you you if you can't train all the time can mean you can't play all the time even in business you know you need to re- recuperate you need to re-nourish you need to reset yourself and recharge you know doing doing nothing sometimes is doing something in terms of actually rest and relaxation you know but it's getting the discipline and the balance and i'm just wondering again you know you, you've maybe learned the hard way or you've learned a way and i'm just thinking for for people that are aspiring to come to the top of their their profession whether it be as a coach in rugby league another sport or in businesses you know how do you get the right balance to actually perform at the best what's your thought
1: yeah uh, i think i think you know we look at it from a holistic point of view now as well you know from a i'm I'm just thinking from like a, a player point of view now or a coaching point of view and yeah it's just making sure that, that different parts of uh, of your life are uh, you've got a good balance. So, an example of that from, from a playing point of view might be that you've got other interests outside of playing. You might yeah. have business interests. Um, you know, you might have learning education interests as well. Um, you know, you look at at when you know you're going to transition out of the sport, which is yeah. really important. The the younger you look at doing that, the better. Yeah. And, and and the way the way we look at that is if you've got other interests outside of your sport, if you're playing well,
0: yeah,
1: but your interests outside of the sport aren't, aren't doing too too great, it, it's a bit of a balance. Yeah. On the flip side, if you're not playing well, but you've got things outside of the sport which you know, education's going well, or you've got other businesses or your family's going really well, yeah, there's that fine balance. But if you only have one thing in your life and it's not going well, oh. um it, it can have quite severe repercussions. So that, that's that's just an example, you know, from a holistic yeah. point of view that, that that we tend to focus on on players and coaches, and I, I wish I'd done that a little bit earlier. Yeah. My, <laughs> you know, it's easy looking back now and yeah. and thinking that, but um, yeah, yeah, I think there's a, a a lot of things we can do to you know to improve things. Yeah.
0: Well and, and again that's probably why you're doing what you're doing now isn't it because you've learned through it and now it's sharing both your wisdom and your expertise but also seeing the real value of of getting that uh, that good balance and the uh, and the blend of interests because actually that ultimately does help us to become a better a better person and a better player or a better coach so I can I can see the pathway
1: yeah I, I, hope, I hope so I mean was you know when I look at me my pathway and you know finishing finishing my career very very young you know I thought my world had ended at, at 18 you know and and you know being lucky enough to get in the professional game then you know as, as all coaches do they get sacked you know we had we had some success a lot of peaks and, and troughs within within a coaching career and um yeah I, I look back and probably if I wrote everything down it's been an interesting book really yeah. um you know but it's uh it's been a good journey and, and you know one, one that uh, even though even the laws I look back on and, and I learned from that.
0: Well Steve you mentioned there the peaks and troughs what would you say has been your, your peak of your career to date?
1: Oh I think um, probably internationally you know being involved in three World Cups you know yeah. 2008 uh, was was Scotland's first uh, win in the World Cup you know we beat, we beat a star-studded Fiji team in Central Coast in uh, in Australia and, oh, okay. and wow what a what an experience that was you know it was a bunch of players that you know we stuck with who got us qualified and and they weren't a, a team full of superstars they were just an honest tough real tough bunch of of players that would would run through a brick wall for each other and um, we had some characters in there as you as you always do um, <laughs> as you probably need <laughs> absolutely yeah so, so some of the characters are, are obviously your, your best players at times as well and. That, that journey with Scotland, you know, 2013, you know, we, we got through to the quarterfinal, um, you know, we won our group and then 2017 in Australia, you know, so the three World Cups and I think one of the highs was obviously the Four Nations for us. Everybody wrote us off. You know, we won the European Championship 2015 and then we played against Australia, England and New Zealand in the Four Nations and, you know, everybody completely wrote us off and um, Australia beat us in the first game. We uh, we did quite well against England, second game, but we'd improved. And then we drew against New Zealand, which for some, you'd think, oh, it's only a draw. Um, disappointed we didn't win, but considering the, the two teams, it was absolutely unbelievable. So to see the journey that, that we, we came through as staff and as players in, in that in that Scotland, Scotland team was, was unbelievable.
0: Amazing journey, isn't it? And, you know, for... A, for the journey you've been on as well, and, and being uh, being with the, the the role and the job for so long, you know, must have been uh, incredible to to be part of.
1: It was, yeah, you know, and even even my club, my club career, Dave. You know, I look at uh, you know I mentioned Whitehaven quite a bit, and you know we, we won the won the league in, in that year, you know, the first ever trophy, and even a great club like Swinton. You know, I took over at Swinton 2011, and you know, fantastic history to that club. You know, they finished. You know, I think bottom three, bottom four. Year after, we won. We won the competition. You know, and it was just setting them standards right from word go. And I, and I look at that journey, and you know, the players, you know, and and, and the board and, and everybody, the supporters of of, of of a great club. And you know, they would struggled for a number of years, but that that year two thousand and eleven was was unbelievable. You know, we played at the Willows and and, and won the league and. I think just to, just to see the, uh, you know, the smiles in everybody's faces and, yeah. and, and everything at the end of the year was was, uh, was a massive achievement.
0: And Steve, you know, you've worked at a number of different clubs. You've worked both at club and international level here. And I'm I'm kind of curious as to, you know, the model or the approach that you've taken. And is it, is it different or do you feel like actually when you came into each of those clubs, you kind of had the same model or principles you know in terms of actually I need to start here and embed a culture and grow it and stick with it or did you feel like you had to take a very different approach or all across because again I'm also thinking for the listeners that are sort of tuning in thinking about their environments and what is it that you pick up and grow to try and make a performance environment
1: Um, I think whatever whatever role you go into is you you keep your own principles you've got to keep that humble that hard-working that, that are non-negotiable, so right. I think going into clubs as a, as, a, as a coach and what you want from your players and, and your environment, they always stay the same. I, I look back at some of the clubs that I've coached in, I've probably had to do things at a different pace at different clubs. Right, yeah. So some clubs I've gone in and I've had to absolutely start from scratch, um, building that 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 environment and building that culture and basically putting a bomb under it and yeah. and, and restarting everything. Um and there's other clubs that there's been a little bit more of a succession plan and, yeah. and, and you can see that good things are happening as well. But I think the core principles is something that that you always take with you. Um, you know, each club I've been at, I've had different challenges. I look at the all goals when I, I was there for six months with Lionel Hurst, What a fantastic bloke Lionel is, you know, a real character. And and the all goals have been. You know, been uh, been formed a few years, but had some some really good players. You know, down in in, in Gloucester, um, but not never really had no success. And I, I just felt when we went in there, it was the belief more than anything. You know right. that, you know, it was a, a standard that that they expected just to to, to be a hard working team. But we wanted to create that winning culture and that belief in there. Yeah. And you know, in the space of six months, you know, for for the all goals to to be, you know. Teams like Hunslet, you know, That's it doesn't amazing, seem that. <laughs> great to the to the listeners, but Hunslet and York, and yeah. you know, they went from getting getting beat week in week out um, and, and well beaten to, to competing with the, the best teams in there, and that was a space of, of three months, three to four months, and it was just putting some uh, some real core principles very very early into that team, and um, you know, said was something very similar, you know, but that that was something that had to be done really really quickly. That was something that had to change. had to be done really, really quickly yeah. with regards to the training culture and the times and stuff like that. And, um, you know, fortunately
0: it, it, it worked there. So, yeah, yeah so, same so. principles, but different different timelines, I think. And you've made me sort of start consider what the success measures are. In your world, what, how would you define success in the different jobs that you've done? Is it always about results?
1: Uh, <laughs> probably, on the face of it, it probably is. Yeah. You know, when you're in professional sport, um, there is no two ways about it. You have to win. Yeah. You know that. That's it if we if we're really looking into it. Um, I think when you look at, 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 for instance, working with younger players um, through the scholarships and through the academy, certainly at Wigan, um, you know it's coming through the systems, and you, you want you want your players to have good lives off the field as well. So that that's a success for me and and, and the measurements are looking at, at what they're doing alongside and after the playing. Um, I think you look at, you know, when you when you leave an organization as well, you want to leave it in a better position than when you first came in, whether that be results, whether that be a succession plan, whether that be the, the culture that you leave the club. And I know culture is a big word and gets thrown about quite a lot, but you know, when you leave a club, you always want to be able to go back and and you know, and, and shake people's hands, and you know, I look at Salford, and you know, I, I left there, and uh, you know, I got, I got sack from Salford, and but I, I can always go back. You know, I, yeah. you know, I, I, I tried my best there. You know, John Wilkinson was the chairman. I go back there. Supporters are great, and I think that's really important. I think, you know, wherever you are, whether that's business or a club, it's important you leave a, a mark that uh, that it's in a better position. Than, uh, than, than when you left you it. it. That, that might not be results, Dave. You know, it yeah. might not be results. Um, but, you know, you want to make sure that you're you left, you, you left on good terms and, and you've left some decent things in place.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's definitely a measure, isn't it? You know, whether you call it results or is it a measure? But I, I picked that up very strongly that actually if you go and you pick a place up at the, the bottom, you know, and, and move it towards the top of whatever it is, then you, you've left it in a better place than you found it. You might not be winning all the time, but you're actually on the right sort of trajectory aren't you, towards actually being more successful, whatever that might mean. And, you know, and I, I'm, I'm also really curious in your story in terms of, you know, you've picked up some teams, haven't you? And gone into some clubs which have been kind of at the bottom of wherever they are and you've had to rebuild them. Uh, looking back, do you have a preference? Do you like picking things up where you have to put the bomb under it and sort of start it all again? Or did you like picking things up that were relatively successful and, and polish them and move them on?
1: Um I think I think looking back at, at my career it, it's probably been probably the, the success successful times I've had have been clubs that I probably needed picking up yeah. um, and, and that that's a different type of coaching I look at some of the
0: yeah.
1: fantastic football coaches Neil Warnock's a great example you know, <laughs> in, in football you know he's, he's had a lot of clubs but you know he's had promotions he's um you know he's, he's done everything um, but you know, he's never had that that, that top job. You know, yeah. it's 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 probably his strength, and, and maybe that's mine as well. You know yeah. that there's clubs that um, need a little bit of, of help
0: and um, care and attention. Up. Nearly, isn't it? You need, they need some care and attention to get them going again. It seems.
1: Yeah, possibly, and just putting things in place. Right. You know, I, look, I even look at witness. What what a fantastic club that was! They got relegated um, from Super League 2004. So I, I took over in 2005, yeah. um, and. There were real good times at Witness, and we had a, an administration. We had three or four different chairmen, um, started from scratch. And, and the only thing probably that I didn't do at Witness was, you know, I had two grand finals which we didn't win, which would have took them back to Super League, which yeah. was devastating for everybody, myself included. Um, you yeah. know, but I look at, at, at the work there. There were there were tough times at Witness with regards to you know the finances and, and putting things in place and. When you look at it, you probably judged on on maybe them two grand finals, um, which in, in, in professional sport is what it's all about winning those grand finals. But when you when you look into it, and I probably didn't see it then, the the job that the staff did, yeah. uh, and the volunteers and the players did during that time at witness with everything else what was going on, uh, you know, behind the scenes. And I know you can hang your hat on on that as well. Um, but there was an awful lot going on, and 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 I, and I look at my time at witness really really fondly. But the disappointing bit was, you know, you're probably known as not winning those two grand finals, which is uh, which is sport.
0: Steve, we've talked a little bit there about some of the highs and you've brought us there to a couple of low periods. You know, you have very openly suggested, you know, you've had the highs and the lows in your career. During some of those tough times and those low times, what strategies have you used to get yourself back up and out of those areas?
1: Uh, Family fam is a big one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I again i'm you know I'm fortunate that i've got a good family you know my dad my dad passed away in 2013 right. so that that was a that that was obviously a, a, had a big impact on my career as well that like day you know you know my dad was always there when we coached yeah, and that yeah. probably off. coincided with me giving coaching up um, oh, okay but uh, but i look i look at um some of the some of the times where things weren't going well and it was just probably not the early days because i just you know um immersed myself in my own thoughts and my own feelings but um, I, I just learned the coping strategies that I spent time with, you know, with my wife. Spent time with my kids. You know, going watching my sports, um, speaking to different sports as well. You know, right. uh, you know, football, cricket, uh, rugby union, a lot of other sports, and networking. Um, speaking to, 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 to key people in businesses as well. Right. You know, and and probably upskilling myself as well, Dave. Right. You know, it, I think that's really important. You know, so. You know, early in my career i probably didn't do it but um you know i learned that go, go and speak to people and, and and try and get more knowledge and try and do things better mm. you know look at you know i remember speaking to um, a couple of people who were heavily involved in the, in the red arrows right uh, which um, unbelievable you know if you think about the preparation and, and what they have to do to to even start the, the aircraft up never mind who know. <laughs> what they're doing up there <laughs> is unbelievable and, it, and it's a millisecond you know the lives depend on that so I remember speaking to, to quite a few um you know people involved in that organization just regarding their preparation and you know how they deal with pressure and um it was really fascinating and you know it was just getting out of, of my comfort zone and, and, yeah. and probably speaking to people but probably immersing myself a bit more in my family you know I, I've, yeah. I've learned to do that and I you know and that Uh, that's been a good corporate strategy for me.
0: Just hearing your story there about looking into other environments, and I love that because I think there is so much sort of gold out there, isn't there, if we go and find it, that we can bring back in. But I guess it also, and I don't know if this is true for you but it also gives me a sense sometimes of perspective it gives us a perspective and a, a reference point if we're looking elsewhere you know when you're saying they're the red arrows if they do something wrong it's life or death isn't it whereas actually when we're doing what we're doing they might feel like they're life or death situations but they're not so they're, they're actually if we've lost a big game it's not life or death it feels important but it just gr- can ground us a little bit and I, I don't know that's the sense that I get from when you're talking about looking around and seeing what else is going on in the world
1: yeah. What, 100% yeah I think that's a great way of putting it and even this last six months if you think what's going on yeah. in and around the world and you know I, I look at you know a feeling stress coaching you know in, in, my, in my previous career and getting up and, and getting on the field and it's raining and you're getting results and then you think about what the NHS is going through gotcha. and, 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 and what everything so that, that that's not pressure what, what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. you know that's that's something that we love and, and really fortunate to do um, and I think a lot of things what's happened over the last six months has put a lot of things in, in perspective um, you know that's not to say we you know the, the, from a sporting point of view you're not under pressure and you never feel uh, it because we're you know we're passionate about that and it's, it's important to us yeah. and it's our jobs and yeah. it supports our families but I, I think the way you put it and, and that, that perspective is, is really important as well. Yeah.
0: So Steve, moving on into the, the role that you, you currently play in terms of looking after the, the welfare aspect of the sport, you know, what what is that? And you know, what what do you see as some of the current challenges down the line given where the sport is at and where not just rugby league's at, but also the world of sport and the sport system? Do you see anything that's coming down and any sort of key themes that might come through?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think as a sport, we um rugby league is has got some good some good things in place now. So prior to me taking over in, in March, Emma Rosewan was the head of welfare. Yeah. Uh, and Emma, Emma put a lot of blueprints in place for the sport um to, to enable the players to, you know, to have a good welfare structure and to be able to speak openly and, and, and put some coping strategy, strategies in place. And you know, my, my, my current role is is just trying to build on that really. And um, you know, every one of our our clubs has got a player welfare manager. Who's independent to the, to the, you know, to the coach and staff, etc. And there's an awful lot of challenges. Um, you know, we mentioned about having a holistic view of that. Yeah. So from a player point of view, we we look at every player having a career action plan. You know, right. personal development plan. Um, yeah. The partners and the families are heavily involved in that. Okay, brilliant. And you're looking at you know mental health and well-being, um, finance. Uh, you know, game game rules. There's a, there's a lot of things that that, w- that we're looking at doing, and you know, we're just looking at, at, at this present moment in time in, in positive intervention. So that you know, the rugby leakers are putting some some things about gratitude. You know how, how important gratitude is, and to say thank you to the people that have you know set you on your journey. That that could be a, a coach, it could be a parent, it could be a school teacher. Um, so there's a lot of, of preventative things that that we're doing. Uh, on the flip side. There is a lot of, of players and, and, and past players who, unfortunately, are in, in a bit of crisis. Yeah. So, that rugby occurs and the charity and, and, and the game are supporting a lot of the, the players through, um, you know, through, through either signposting or helping them themselves. And you know, the phone never stops ringing. Yeah. Yeah. But but that that's fantastic in, in a way that that the players are, are trusting us to, you know, to try and help them. And yeah. um, you know, I think probably four or five
0: years ago that that wasn't the case. Yeah well things have moved on a, a, a huge amount over the last four or five years and the, the role that you do play both personally as and as a unit is, is incredible isn't it because we do know that people that are better supported can also perform and be better people in their own lives and in their families which is you know something that I've picked up in the work that I do in the sport world is that actually it's not just what we're doing out on the field or on the tennis court or wherever it's actually how we turn up in our whole life and how we exist within our family and if we can get the right balance through all of that with the right support mechanisms then we can help um you know families units clubs and and society and communities improve on what they do so keep up the good work there steve in terms of helping out, another way you could help out here is, is I've got a few quick fire questions, which I want to throw at you. Why I like this little section is just because we can give our listeners one or two little nuggets of guidance or tips, which have maybe worked for you and they might work for them. Okay. So if I fire a few quick questions at you, um, nice. see where we go. All right. So in, in, you mentioned a bit earlier on, actually, that in the earlier days, you were, well, I'm still now, you're very curious learning's been a real thread actually for me but in terms of books or resources is there any kind of key outstanding um reference places books that you you would recommend to the listeners that have really helped you uh
1: legacy is, is a real good one that, that'll that probably keep cropping up uh, with the all blacks yeah you know if you if uh you know you look into that and that that's got a bit of everything now they've been successful and and their expectations and uh, of all the players uh, really real good book and uh, that's something that all the all the scholars at Wigan used to get when they used to sign you know Sean oh, right. Wayne used to sign it and a personal message so yeah a re- real good book really really recommend it great
0: any others that come to your mind that have I- impacted on um, you do you know what? I look at I like autobiographies okay um, yeah you know, so I, I, I really look
1: at, like, coaches' journeys. Neil Warnock is, is a brilliant yeah. book. You, know, you look at Neil Warnock's book. I even, I even remember reading, in my younger days, Stan Turnant, who was a, <laughs> the, the manager at, at, at Burnley. And what, what a book that is. You know, that that's a few years old as well, that. Yeah. Um, and then the, the the recent ones as well. I, I just like looking at, um, you know, personal journeys and personal experiences, yeah. you know. So Keith Senior yeah. um, has got a good book out now. Um you know, there's, it, 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 a lot of
0: a lot of autobiographies and real life stuff is is, is what I
1: like uh, like reading.
0: Yeah. Steve, and why why do you like reading those? What what do they give to you and bring to you? Because that really plays to me in terms of the uh, the principles of the sports stories podcast. Actually, you know, you're sharing your story, and I hope that other people get little bits from it. But what do you get from reading those autobiographies?
1: It probably relaxes me. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. that's that's something. So it's something that you know I can just take myself away you know we're obsessed with our phones you know yeah, yeah. social media not, not more than myself but I'll, I'll put my phone away and start reading a book yeah um and I, I just I just like to see how um people have probably got over real tough obstacles within their life um and, and a lot a lot of the books uh when you read them in you know, obviously different circumstances but a lot of the coping strategies are, are the same um you know the way they 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 look after the you know, the personal well-being and the self-care um but it, there's, there's some good people about some some good stories um yeah. you know the podcasts at the moment you know even through the lockdown have, have been amazing been absolutely brilliant Some are, you know some of your, your podcasts have I've, I've looked at them and it's just brilliant to look at other people's perspectives of, of how they deal with uh, with the challenges of life and that's something that, that really interests
0: me brilliant in terms of then taking that on a step um how do you mentally and physically prepare each day to be the best version of yourself? You know, and I think this is something that's really pertinent for all of us, given that we're in the in a world of both physical and mental preparation. And I'm just curious, how would you summarize your preparation so you can be the best version of you given also you've had loads of ups and downs? You
1: know what? Every morning, every yeah. morning I'll get up, Dave, and, and um probably speak to myself quite a bit yeah you know so 10 and and it, and it is it is that you know it is preparing myself for the day yeah um you know and, and certainly in this in this role you you get some tough days yeah. you know as, as well as we all do we get some tough phone calls um but it's just ensuring that that you, you know you're the best version of you so when that phone rings or you, you go meeting somebody yeah you know they you've got empathy you yeah. know you can uh, you can speak to them and, and you know they know that that, that the support there and, and another really important thing uh i my, my, my kids my kids go mad at it but you know you laugh every day my, my dad uh, just made me laugh every day every single day there's not one day um that that i never laughed um you know and you know my, my, my daughter now Ellie she's uh, you know she's, she's 21 this uh, uh, next month and and everyday, like, she, she, just says, "I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going out of the room now because you know that weather, you know." So, so that that's a big thing. Just, just enjoy, enjoy what you do, and, and even even if the job is, is tough, and, and a lot of jobs are, um, I think humor is a is is a big yeah. thing, and that's something I learned from a you know a very young age, and it's something I try and do. You know, yeah. just make sure that you know whether it's my family or my my job, there's a, yeah. there's a little bit of humor in there somewhere.
0: Oh, I love it. It's one of my things. Is you know having fun is really important and it's not flippant. And it's not an easy thing to do, but if we enjoy what we do, I'm with you. You know, if we enjoy that, we're likely to actually do it better and engage in it, aren't we? And, and enjoy what we Absolutely. do and become more successful. So I'm with you. I've got a quick question on the back of that. And I don't know if you're, if you're okay to share this, but what would you say to yourself then in the morning? You know, when you say you, you talk to yourself, what sort of things might you say? It It,
1: it, it is that what, you know, just, just, just be at your best. Right. Just, just be at your best every yeah. day. And I know we can't be, you know, some sometimes I'll wake up like everybody else. and think, what a, I feel feel terrible today. But you know, that that phone or that meeting, what you have with somebody, might be the only time they see you. You know, you might be their only conversation, or mm. or um, you know, or meeting that that person's had for mm. for months, for weeks. You know, so you, you've got to beat your best. You know, you've got to beat your best. You've got to you know, be somebody somebody that they can, you know, they can, they can chat to, or they can, uh, they can relate to. So yeah, that, that self-talk is, is, um, and it, and it sounds a bit corny really saying beat your best all the time, but I think it really is important. You know, we all have bad days, but you know, if you, if, if you go anywhere, you just want to, you know, want to be, you know, want to be, uh, you know, at at your best and, and for people to see the best of you, even if you're not feeling great, if you're not feeling great, it's important to speak to somebody anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, it it is just 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 make an impact. You know, just make sure you learn something every day. Yeah. You know, what whatever that might be.
0: And it links into that mindset, doesn't it? It just sets us up in a different mindset for the day, which I absolutely I, I, I love that. And it, at least you're going to give yourself the best chance, aren't you, if you do put those little strategies in place? So brilliant stuff, that's the In terms of you now you know what what advice might you give to a teenage version of yourself given the the fantastic journey that you've been on and the highs and the lows but actually all the appreciation that you've actually shared along the podcast here but what what advice would you give yourself now if you were to be back then as a teenager
1: i think continuing working hard um i think choose wisely uh you knock not with you know your your peers um it's so challenging, and it it was when we were growing up. You know, when I was a teenager. But you know, you see the challenges that that people have, um, and I think I think you do have to choose your your friends and your you know accomplices really wisely. Now, yeah. you know, it's so so easy to make those wrong choices, uh, yeah. and, and we all do that. Um, but if you make the wrong choices, you, you you know, it's about you know standing up to those and, and speaking to somebody about that. There's always somebody there who'll, who'll help you. Yeah. And and it's just just continuing working hard. You know, just you know, if, if probably if you, uh, if you need some support, which we all do at certain times of our life, just yeah. ask for it. Yeah. Well, there's times when I look at, uh, you know, my career and, and, and my life and, you know, I've just got on with it myself and, um, you know, at times you don't, you're not in a good place. So yeah. a lot of good people that, that can support you.
0: Yeah. Great advice, asking for help. I think it, it sounds dead simple, isn't it? But it's just knowing when and how to. And I think that's a, a, a real gem in there. Steve, you've also mentioned a couple of times, you know, one or two influential people. Most importantly, probably your dad, in terms of you know your best mate and your dad going through your your childhood and the impact. You know, are there any other people, one or two other people, that you would say are really being pivotal in in making you the person you are today, or the uh, the coach you are today, or have been?
1: It's certainly, my wife. Yeah, uh, you know, Rebecca. Um... We, we, it was our 25th wedding anniversary uh, oh, wow. this year, but we, we've been, you know, we've been going out with each other since we was we 15, oh, um, wow. so a, 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 a long, long time, and I, and I have I have been lucky. I don't keep saying lucky, <laughs> but um, absolutely, fantastic. And I, I look at my, you know, my career, and you know, Rebecca's brought the kids up on her own virtually in the early part of it, um, you know, been with me through the, all those those tough times nice. and. The good times as well, um, and and I've made sure when we have had good times recently that that the family's been part of it. Fantastic. And then I, I, I just look at the coaches I've uh, I've, I've I've worked under and, and worked with. Uh, you know, I've an assistant coach with Scotland in Dave Rotherham who has been sensational with regards to a, a, a you know a, a, an assistant coach. You know, loyal, knowledgeable. You know, backed us up during tough times. Um, and then even like you know some of my old my old my old school teachers you know my, my yeah. kids go to the school that I went to now and you, know, you always look back and, and uh, immense amount of gratitude to everybody what's uh, you know what set us along along the way really
0: great stuff and and I love it when we we refer back to sort of school teachers because back in those early days is that's when often they they set the spark alight don't they for us on our journey so they you know, often get forgotten about, but yet are so crucial in, in actually influencing and informing the journey we take, you know, and I, I, and I just wanted to also support and echo that, you know, the role that your dad has played and how that family connection often plays such a strong part. And I, I hear that a lot in the podcast, which is really great as a place to go and, you know, the importance role that now we play as parents, don't we, in terms of supporting our future generations stick at the sport and go into it in a really positive way, um, Great stuff. You've, you've shared your story, the highs and the lows, as I've mentioned, and I've got some real brilliant insights into, actually, the, both the world of rugby league, but just in sport and the key principles. You know, whose sports story would you be interested in finding out a little bit more about? And it also plays back, obviously, to the your autobiography um, connection, that you, you like and value other people's stories. So whose story might you be curious to find out a bit more about and why? <laughs>
1: Oh, that's a that's a tough one um I, pro- I probably read a lot you know you look at you look at yeah. the really successful ones yeah you, so you look at you look at like your, your Alex Ferguson's and yeah. Jose Mourinho's all the real successful ones um I, I also look at and I, I'm watching it currently about Lance Armstrong the, the yeah. documentary what's on that you yeah. know and, and just about like his journey his ups and downs his decisions that he made um you know what happened after this this the decisions is made. Um, yeah. as far as looking looking at someday who I've not done, um, it's a real it's a real tough one that day. I don't think I can answer that one. Well, don't
0: worry. Think, uh, yeah, because I, you I might have, think about it. You might have been there and you know read a lot already you know there's nothing more there, but I think you you played to me the point that there's there are lots of stories out there which we can take a lot from, can't we? You know, we might not take everything but even seeing some of the, uh, the ones that have been less successful, you know, a couple of people come and say to me, now I'd be interested to find somebody that hasn't been quite successful or why, and what happened in their story, you know, or hasn't quite fulfilled their potential and what was that all about? So no, Steve, don't, don't feel you have to pull one out of the bag for just for me, but it's, you know, it's, it's good. <laughs> I'm
1: sure that I'm sure there'll be loads. There, there, there is, there is loads and, you know, I, I speak to, to a, a lot of sports people now, a lot of really successful sports people within our sport of rugby league. And, yeah. Um, you know, some of their journeys and, and, uh, are unbelievable, you know, and some of the, the resilience they've shown and, and, and stuff. And, is, there anybody's, um,
0: is there anybody's journey whose who's you do know, who you, you might say, actually, I do know their story, but actually a lot of people get real value out of understanding and, and appreciating?
1: Um, there is, I, th- I think, you know, from a confidentiality yeah, point of yeah. view, it's, it's it's a tough one, you know, to yeah. to name those. Um, you know, there, there's there's some players who who we see, you know, play week in week out for Super League and clubs, yeah. and yeah. you know, nobody will have a clue what they go through just to get on that field and, and perform yeah. like they do do is is yeah. is, is unbelievable. So
0: yeah, um, no, I appreciate that.
1: I think, it's a, I think it's a good question. I, I'm going I'm to have a think about that regarding
0: that as well. Well, and, and your response there's fantastic for me because it also really opens the door to for me and others to really start appreciating, you know, we often don't know what's going on behind the scenes, do we? You know, and the stories that, and the life stories and the challenges and the highs and the lows people are often going through, you know, and you're kind of presenting us there with the fact that there's a lot going on which we don't know about, but actually we could also learn lots from. So, no, that's good. But come back to us, Steve, eh? How how about that if if, if one does come here? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Look, I I can't thank you enough. You know, you've been really open and honest about what's been going on in your family, you know, and how that's really influenced and impacted on you. And And I'm really curious about that because I think that's what makes us who we are, you know, and I can really see the connection between your early start in life and actually how that has helped you become the resilient but also the really humble bloke that you are. And, you know, I just wanted to thank you for coming across in the way that you have, because this is a Steve I know. Um, but I also want you to, um, I, I hope the listeners really appreciate the the impact and the legacy and the, uh, the imprint you've left on the game of Rugby League, actually. So thanks for sharing all that, Steve. It's really appreciated. Um, my, my last just sort of question would be to you, is, you know, if anybody would like to find out a little bit more about you, the career you've been on, but also really importantly, the work that you're doing with rugby league at the moment in your, in your role around welfare how, how might they be able to find out a little bit more
1: yeah i think i think social media is uh good dave you know rugby league curse is, is the charity arm of, of, of the sport yeah so it, it is an independent charity uh, yeah. and, and the welfare of the sport came over to that in 2017 so um you know rugby league curse on, on the website has got um, some fantastic things like the offload program which deals with you know mental health yeah. head of the game which is linking up with the world cup you know you know ensuring that there's there's mental health programs going out we've got a heritage project you know for yeah. anybody who's who's interested in that we've got a, a benevolent fund as well so the the, the benevolent fund um there's been some high profile cases unfortunately over the last few months you know mossy masoi is, is a great example who's yeah. doing unbelievable what an inspirational story is so that that's part of, of the charity as well so it's just looking on, on the website and, and looking on social media and you know over the next few few weeks and months we've got um, we've got some, some some good things going out. Hopefully that that'll um, will make an impact on a lot of people.
0: Brilliant. Well, it, just hearing those um, sort of programs and initiatives that you're running there, it really does show that rugby league does care and you know you really are putting some um, real good support mechanisms and interventions in place so uh keep up the great work and thanks for that and and what i'll do steve is make sure that those details are are shared on the on the podcast show notes so should anybody wish to sort of get in touch or find out a little bit more then the details will be there but on that note and unless there's anything else for you to share you know thanks ever so much again i really appreciate your your time keep up the good work and hopefully we can come together again in a year or so's time you know during after the world cup or whatever as as the world sort of moves on and um we come out of this strange times that we're living in but again thanks steve keep in touch and thanks again brilliant thanks for having us Dave. thank you i so enjoyed speaking with steve he's such an easy person to speak with listen to and so humble in sharing his achievements and insights it really does make me consider what the game of rugby league instills in individuals both on and off the pitch given it is such a hard and physical sport I appreciate this is a very broad and sweeping view Yet both Kevin Sinfield and Steve were both very humble and understated in the impact and success they have had. I draw the link to authenticity and how their foundational non negotiable behaviours that were instilled in their early years in the sport of rugby league, as well as in very working class environments, were so solid. They were to be humble, hardworking and genuinely honest to themselves and those around them. For me, these are some key insights and messages for developing high-performing teams and environments that can ride the highs and lows they are faced with. Discipline and standards are key and have been, and have clearly been really important for Steve. Steve also referred to being lucky on a number of occasions. As I might have mentioned before, this does make me smile as I do believe that he has played a massive part in creating his own luck. Three things which I believe played a part in him making his own luck were listening, pace, and family. The power of listening to those you work with and around you as a leader seemed really key, both as a way of showing you are interested in care, but also as a mechanism to find things out that can help you. As you can gather, I'm really passionate about the importance of listening. Steve also made reference to the speed and pace things changed around him, and by doing things correctly, really helped manage expectations and in turn results and outcomes. Pace is really therefore key in considering success measures. And lastly, but by no means least, family, the different roles his family played in supporting and giving him a platform to focus on has been key in his eyes to his luck or do I dare say success. So with this in mind, the two questions for you to ponder over and when appropriately really dive in are as follows. What in your life is distracting you away from being truly focused and how can you change this? Secondly. Steve mentioned about the value of external and unbiased feedback which helped him see some blind spots and in turn improve performance. Who do you ask to get the feedback that you need and that you will listen to? So in turn, this will positively impact on your performance. I hope you find these thought provoking and that you're able to take action based on them. Now ask yourself, is your response proving just interesting to you or are you really committed to the changes you want? Remember, the successes that come from many of the Sports Stories guests and their messages are taking responsibility, hard work, and a desire to be honest and true to themselves and others. So challenge yourself and put in the hard work that is required and you deserve. Now, before we sign off, let me remind you that we will have another great guest next week, who once again I'm sure will offer inspiration, education, and in turn transformation Whether sport is your thing or not, many of the messages and principles to lead a more fulfilling life come through loud and clear in the stories. So please listen in, support by sharing and subscribing. And we also love it when you leave a review or some feedback. The podcasts are free and we want to keep providing you with more accessible and useful content. So your show of support is really helpful and much appreciated. Now I've spoken with over 30 individuals who have shared parts of their lives that have been informed and influenced by a close friend, family member, or a coach or mentor. Hopefully you can tell that at Sport Stories we want to make a difference in the world, both locally and internationally, and that will be done in a number of ways. Making that change starts with you, and if you are interested in more than just listening to the podcast, then have a look at the website and let us know how the resources and the coaching and mentoring support could really help you. The website address is www.sportstories.com sportstories247.com I have some really exciting developments in the pipeline and I'm really looking forward to evolving the support I offer to you and others that are in great need over the coming year. So lastly, thanks to Steve for being another willing and engaging guest open to letting us into his world. It was really enjoyable and please keep in touch. Use your social media and podcast channels are good and have a good week. Stay safe. Take care. And from me, Dave Levine, I look forward to having you with me again next week.